Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the privilege of huddling around it together uh, on this rainy, somewhat cold morning. We pray that your scripture would continue to warm our hearts and we'd be able to worship you as we understand the gospel by your spirit's power in ways maybe we didn't when we walked in. Uh, Lord, help us and transform us by the power of the gospel, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Y'all may be seated. Thank y'all. So my name's Tom. If you're newer here, um, I... I am called the interim pastor, so that just means I'm helping IGC as the church transitions to the next senior pastor who will be coming uh, whenever the Lord brings that about. Um, and so we, we've been, as a church family, praying for the pastoral search committee very regularly, and thank you guys who serve there. I also wanted to just thank all the volunteers who come so early and, and set up chairs and um, for June and Anna and all that they do and who Anna who made the this curtain area like Dorothy did that so so you don't have to look at like chairs and things like so just I'm so grateful as I sort of watch how your gifts and how you serve the body together um, it's it's inspiring it's encouraging to me so so thank you for and I've said this already um, how much God is using you in my life and how much I'm growing spiritually by just being in your church and being together with you. And um, so thank you, um, Indelible Grace Church, for all your love for me and for Wendy and your kindness to us. So uh, one nice thing about preaching a little bit semi-regularly, Wade will be up next week and then I'm going to do a final sermon out of Genesis at the end of the month. And then going into February, uh, Wade and I are going to try to sync up a little more um, in our preaching. So, But one of the nice things about coming back um, from last week is that I can remind you of some of the things I said and maybe say some th- clarify some things that I said um, before we get into Genesis 12. Next week, I'll be looking at the Josephan saga. That's what the academics call it. It's uh, the life of Joseph in chapters 37 through 50. We'll look at a, a part of his life next week. Today, it's Abram and Sarah, uh, or Abraham and Sarah. But one of the things I wanted to remind you all, because I don't know how long the Lord will have me in this transitionary period for IGC, but one of the burdens I have as a preacher is not only to communicate Scripture well and accurately, of course. Um, that's any preacher, um, of course, but... Um, my burden is that you would, uh, that we all, as we get around Scripture, would understand the gospel in some new way that would uh, give us hope. Because the gospel of Jesus Christ, what he has done for his people, um, his life, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, his now uh, interceding on behalf of his people day and night... The only hope we have is that good news of the gospel. And oftentimes I think in the church, and myself, very included in this, is that I think we come to the gospel as uh, we have faith in what Christ has done, and then we're kind of done with it, and now the Christian life is up to us to, to live out and how to figure out how to walk with you. No, the gospel saves us. It's saving us right now. It's what the, the good news of what Jesus has done is what will always be what saves us. And it continually saves us. And so your hope, my hope, from all of Scripture, all of Scripture breathes Christ. Everything in, from Genesis to Revelation, his face is pressed against every, Jesus' face is pressed against every page of Scripture. 
So we don't just know about Jesus in the Gospels. We don't just know about him in some of the Pauline letters in the New Testament. But here in Genesis, we understand uh, and foreshadow Christ. We see him even here. So that we would all walk away with hope in Christ is my burden, my passion that you would, that I would know that. So last week I also mentioned Gilgamesh, uh, which is uh, an epic. It's, it has the oldest flood narrative because we talked about Noah last week. And I just wanted to say that the flood narrative in that um, old um, hero epic poem um, the flood narrative is just part of that. You can PD, get a PDF version of the Gilgamesh if you'd like online. The internet has really changed life for everyone, but I was sort of rereading it again. And what I didn't say last week, which might be encouraging or might be helpful, is that that Gilgamesh poem with a flood narrative in it, um, it's the oldest, and then we have a flood narrative in Genesis. But Gilgamesh, the character, the protagonist in that poem, he is looking for immortality. He's seeking to live forever. And I, th- I just think that's interesting. As, as far back as we can go in human history, and also in the ancient Near East for the Hebrews, we are concerned with tra- long- our longevity. How is it that we can live forever? I mean, it's why you put on the lotions and do the skincare routine that you did as you got here today. You know, we are so... And Gilgamesh was concerned about immortality. And so if, if that's... I think that's a human condition thing, that we are concerned about our immortality or lack thereof, wanting to live forever. So um, also, I think I was talking with Kyle earlier, uh, Blurry Creatures is a podcast. If you want to know more about Genesis chapter 6 in that first part where it talks about the Nephilim, which are the giants, one of the most controversial texts in Scripture, uh, I didn't talk about it, and I'm not going to even tackle it. I said you can look at, you can listen to a podcast called Blurry Creatures. I don't try to recommend things because sometimes people are offended when a pastor recommends something. They go listen, and they're offended by something. Oh, the pastor told me. So at your own risk, but Blurry Creatures has um, foundationally that podcast started based on Genesis six and the the Nephilim or the giants that are mentioned in that text. So I just wanted to remind you of that or um, say it again. And lastly, clarifying, I'd mentioned 1517.org is an organization that um, has a pretty good online presence. Their whole goal is that the church, uh, they're a big organization, but their, their goal is that the church would understand that Christ alone is our hope. That's why I really like the organization, because I agree. Christ is our only hope in this life and the next, Christ alone. But it's a Lutheran organization that kind of found, is foundational to that. So some of you might be like, oh, well, why is Tom pushing a Lutheran? I don't know. I don't know what people are offended about anymore. So I'm just letting you know. Yeah, it's a, a Lutheran-founded organization, but I agree with their goals. So, um, oh, lastly, about Noah. That's what we were looking at last week in Genesis, the, the, the Noahic covenant. I didn't actually mention the word covenant. We're going to talk a little bit today about covenant because the creational covenant with Noah was at the end of uh, where Noah lands on dry ground in the ark and his family. They get out of the ark. God says that I will never again destroy all of creation. And he makes a promise he initiates that promise, and he it's in, in all the academic theologians, biblical scholars say that is God making a creational covenant. And so we're going to talk today about God's covenant that continues uh, towards his people now. So with Abraham and Sarah here and their family, we began to uh, have the story of God's covenant with his people. And the covenant is a great 
helpful term because it gives us a framework for understanding the, the whole of the gospel. It gives you a framework for reading the Bible. Um, covenant, because see, here's the thing. When I, when I became a believer a long time ago, I thought that the Bible was just a bunch of chunky stories and that Jesus is kind of the end of it. Actually, covenant, uh, using that language, shows that God from the very beginning has initiated a plan to get us to the end. And that has always been through his son, Jesus Christ. So the language of covenant begins at the creation where he makes it with Noah. Even back in Genesis chapter 3 where he promises Christ in Genesis 3.15. I talked about that in my sermon. You can go back and listen to that one online if you want. But this idea of God initiating with his people his promises that he will keep, that he will fulfill until the very end. And all of that is in Christ, him alone. So it's a foundational um, concept that will help you understand scripture and bring it all together. Because unless you have this idea that God um, has had a plan from the beginning, that he has initiated, that he will fulfill in himself. When you read scripture, sometimes you think, is God just sort of catching up with us, like when God's people don't do what they're supposed to do. He's like, okay, now what am I going to do to fix this problem with God's people? Okay, no, God's not catching up. He's always planned uh, from the foundation of the earth that Jesus Christ, the Son, would be the fulfillment of all of it. So as you're reading through all of the Bible, maybe some of you are doing your Bible, new Bible reading for the, the year. Again, Genesis, we're reading it. You're welcome for that. Did a post-it fall? Okay, so... So here we are um, in Genesis chapter 12. Okay, so covenant, great framework. It's all connected. It's all one story of God fulfilling his promises. Okay, so God's promise here in Genesis 12, uh, his covenant now initiated with his people, not creation. Um, that's big in general. He's not going to, he's going to bless the earth. He's going to keep creation as it is. But now his people, he's choosing a people. Abram and Sarai here in Genesis 12. Now, let me just go ahead and say, God changed uh, Abram and Sarai's name later in Genesis 17. He changes it to Abraham and Sarah because Abram means exalted father. And here God comes to Abram, which means exalted father, and he's saying to him, I'm going to bless all the families of the earth through you. Abram, exalted father, was 75 years old, married to Sarai, which means princess, and they didn't have kids, and they were barren. And so here God is saying to this exalted father, which is unusual, and I'm going to make you sort of the father of all nations. You know, Father Abraham had many sons, and many sons had Father Abraham. Any of you guys sing? Thank you, Kristen. I appreciate it. Exactly. So... Later, because God initiates his covenant with Abram and Sarai, he changes their names to Abraham, which does mean multitude, father, exalted father of multitudes. And Sarah uh, to Sarai to Sarah, which also means a princess, not just kind of of one kingdom, but of many. And so that seems impossible because they were barren. They were at this at this particular stage. They seem old. And God is saying he's going to bless all the nations through this one family. And so it should be causing the question, why does God choose who he chooses in his covenant? Why did, why did he choose these people? Um, if he's going to make a great nation out of them, wouldn't he want to come to young, you know, very fertile people, 
These are barren. They're old. Why does he do that? God is never, his ways are never intuitive to us. And the way he initiates his covenant here with Abraham and Sarah is not intuitive intuitive at all. In fact, in Deuteronomy, we're reminded that um, Abraham and Sarah, the Israelites, the Hebrews, they weren't the most numerous. They weren't the best peoples of all. Again, they were really um, nobody. Reminds me of Gideon, you know, in Judges where God chooses him to go do this mighty warrior battle. And Gideon's like, why are you, God, why are you asking me? I'm the weakest in my clan. I'm, I'm the weakest in my family. See, God loves all the odds being stacked against him. He loves it when he has nothing to work with. That's God's favorite situation. Remember, he created everything out of nothing. Ex nihilo, that's, that's out of Genesis. God created out of nothing. He doesn't need anything to do all that he plans. So one of the applications of God calling and making covenant, initiating a promise to his people, starting with Abraham and Sarah, is that he doesn't need anything to work with. He doesn't need youth. He doesn't need fertility. He doesn't need people who even trust him greatly. He doesn't need the strongest in a family. Does that encourage you? I mean, some of you are like, well, if he comes to me, he's got the strongest. Okay, great, great. But it encourages me. I'm white trash from Alabama, okay? So maybe you didn't know that about me. We can talk more about it if you like, but I'm from Alabama, and I feel like I am the weakest in my clan. And and yet God... That's what God loves to do is take the weak ones and use them, gift them in ways that you don't expect. And so as God chooses here in Genesis, right off the bat, we here today in the 21st century should be like, wow, God chooses his people not based on anything in them. He chooses them because that's what God does. He he chooses who he chooses. He loves who he loves. And so Abraham and Sarah get chosen because God doesn't need anything to work with at all. So if you're feeling today like you have nothing to offer God, it's okay. God came prepared. He came prepared. He was prepared with Abraham and Sarah to provide for them, to give them children. Even though you know in the life, if you know the story of Abraham and Sarah, they they go off the rails in a lot of places. They're like, oh yeah, God, we believe you and we think we can make what you're promising happen in our way. They, they do all kinds of crazy gymnastics in their life to make things happen. God doesn't need all that. They get off the rails, but he gets them back on track and he'll do the same for us. He's always doing that for his people, getting us back on track. For us today at Indelible Grace Church, our always getting back on trackness is getting back in line with the gospel of what Christ has done for his people and choosing, keeping, keeping the covenant in himself. So if you are worried that you don't have enough to offer God, that you're always failing, that you're always getting yourself off the rails, have great hope, guys. Christ is your ace in the hole. God always has been prepared. From the foundation of the world, he was prepared for Abraham and Sarah and all their 
Rick and Marona try to stay in the covenant. God keeps them. In fact, when God clarifies and ratifies his covenant with Abraham and Sarah, one of the first things he does with Abraham is he puts him to sleep. It's like, you know, I'm going to ratify my covenant with you. I don't need you to actually even be awake for this. I'll, I'll initiate it. And he does that uh, in Genesis 15, if you want to look at that. Again, God chooses people who are unworthy, really, that don't have any of the goods. They have nothing to offer. And God brings it all in himself. When you and I make it to heaven, and I'm not putting it in air quotes because it doesn't exist. I'm putting it in air quotes because I'm not exactly sure what heaven is exactly. It's being with Christ for all eternity. But I'm not sure what all that looks like. Um, Anyway, when that happens, it's because God got you there by himself, by his good and faithful work, his faithfulness. So you might be saying to yourself, but Tom, things are ruined. I've made a mess of things. God's promises can't possibly overcome my family. Oh man, I was home back in April because my, my father passed away and so I was home and with my family. I was with my brothers and sisters uh, longer than I've, for two weeks, a little bit more. That's the longest I've ever been with them in the last 20 years, really. Like, you know, go home for Thanksgiving or Christmas, spend a few days here and there. For two solid weeks, I was with my siblings. Wow. Wow. I'm sure exactly that's what they're saying about me. Wow. And you just, you just, cons- I mean, I, as I was home, I was like, wow, look at the ruin of my family. You know, you, you see all the narratives that are going on in your family, all the things that you're like, wow, that is so really off the rails. How does that keep going? You see, God can take the most ruinous family and do great things. He can take your, your failures, your lusts and fleshly ruinous things, your fears, your greatest worries. Impossible are the odds that God loves the most. He loves impossible. You're like, well, he can't possibly save my brother. You don't even under... If he can save you, he can save your brother. If you don't know what's happened at our church, it doesn't matter. I actually don't know what's happened all at Indelible Grace. I don't know the whole history I mean, I'm sure when the leadership tries to tell me, I interrupt. But that's why I don't know. But I don't need to know because whatever impossible things you're thinking about this particular church, God is faithful. And he will do things beyond your wildest dreams. Okay, I do love the Mission Impossible franchise. You know, I I really do. I love it when, are y'all familiar with it? I'm sorry if I talk about things you don't know about. You guys are just readers. I know you don't watch film. I get it. You're all just reading. Uh, I did read a little bit from the Washington Post this week where they were talking about the floods in California and lives have been lost in California. And so I don't want to make light even talking about Noah last week and the floods were coming. People have died in California because people are used to fire and preparing for fire, says the Washington Post, but they're not used to water because we've been in drought, right? Anyway, sorry. Um, going back to Mission Impossible, I love those those movies because as Tom Cruise, Ethan Hunt, that's his that's the character, that's the protagonist in the story. Um, 
as he's talking about a mission that they have to accomplish, I love those scenes where he just layer upon layer upon thing upon thing that will never be able to be overcome. It's like, we have to scale this building. It's 75,000 stories tall, and we have to do it unnoticed. We have to do it on the outside. You know, all these crazy, that's Mission Impossible 4, if you want to know, but it's just layer upon, like, there's absolutely no way it can ever, ever, ever happen. I mean, three layers in to what they have to do, you're like, no way. But I love it because you know they're going to do it. You know at the end, you're going to be like, you did it. Some people died. But I mean, you did it. It was amazing. And you see, that's the gospel. That is the good news because your life, my life, the church is mission. It's layer upon layer upon layer of impossible buildings to scale, planes to hold on to that you will never be able to hold on to, things that you'll never be able to do. God says, mission can be accomplished in myself. Hang on. Get on me, says Jesus. So, that's the gospel. And you're like, does that have anything to do with Abraham and Sarah? Yeah, These guys were the first kind of... They're layer upon layer of this is never happening. They cannot be the father and mother of many nations. They got nothing. They got no kids. She doesn't have a womb for it. He doesn't have... They got nothing. God's like, I got you. Trust me. Indelible Grace Church, are we going to trust God for the months to come? What He's got, where things seem impossible... Where you're like, nobody can preach like Michael. Nobody can do... Right. Yeah, probably not. (laughs) God can do all that he plans. In in all his people's lives. Those who've left, those who... All of it. Am I talking about elephants in the room? Sorry about that. I tend to do that sometimes. Um, Last thing I want to say is, you know, covenant language involves, at least in the Hebrew, involves cutting. There's some sort of cut that happens. And like that just makes you think that covenants were etched in, in blood. Doesn't that sound familiar? I mean, the gospel etched in blood. The blood of Christ is what saves us. So even, again in Genesis, we see that God is always, it's always about blood. And we know it's always been about Christ's blood. And his desire for us as his people is that we would be cut carved into the image of Jesus, the Son of God. And so that cutting, maybe you feel that as believers, as a church. I, you feel sometimes just that the cutting of him making you into the image of Christ. It hurts sometimes. I think for Abraham and Sarah, Abraham had to be circumcised. It hurt. There's pain. There was cutting. So whatever you walked in with today, I hope that you're hearing the gospel, which is, that in all your weakness, in all even your greatness, I mean, Abram, his name meant exalted father. That's not, a, that's not terrible. You're, you're exalted even as a human being before the gospel. God made you in, in his image. But apart from him, you can do nothing. Apart from Christ. Hope in Jesus' church, please. He is your only hope. And as God's people... 
as his church, this unique body of believers sitting right here in Castro Valley, and I know you drive in and come from all over the Bay Area, but God is through this unique people using you in huge ways. Maybe to be a a church of many nations. As I look at you all, you're a church of many nations sitting right here. You're a multi-ethnic church. Wonderful, wonderful. I mean, I got to say, I I usually sit in white churches a lot. So to be in a multi-ethnic church is such a blessing and such a a wonderment for me and my, my wife. Thank you. Thank you for this. Thank you for your kind attention. I'm going to pray for us. Um, We're going to partake of the Lord's Supper. And this is representing of the cutting, the covenant of the gospel of what Christ has done. I'm going to pray just to close out my sermon. Then we're going to talk about the sacrament. We're going to partake together. And just so you know, the sacrament is for believers. Those who have said, yeah, Jesus, uh, I don't understand everything about you, but I understand that you've come to save me. So it's for believers. So if that's you, please, we're going to partake together. If that's not you, we're, we're welcoming you to Indelible Grace Church. You're always welcome here. But it's for believers. So would you pray with me? Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your covenant, that you're faithful to keep it, that you will do the mission impossible in our personal lives, in our church, in your church, and until you come, Lord Jesus. In your name we pray, amen.